Mike, today we're going back in time to the early days of America's nuclear weapons program. Oh, good. Something nice and light to talk about today, right? Light and fun, not so much. But I do think it's interesting. Well, we'll be the judge of that, won't we? We'll find out <laughs> by the end of the episode. Today we're talking about the Demon Core. Oh, you see, now you've gone and done it already, haven't you? Like, look at that. Mm-hmm. You're just sneaking that one in there. Oh, by the way, it's called the Demon Core. Yeah, well, we'll find out why at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Gotta build suspense. Oh, dun, dun, dun. It is a fort, or was, a 14-pound, 3.5-inch sphere. So think about how dense this thing is. Like, 3.5 inches, not very big. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I wrote that, and then I was reading back over it. I was like, oh, wait, this thing is really dense. Uh, And it's, um, well, it's made of plutonium. There you go. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) It was initially built to be at the heart of a nuclear weapon, uh, thankfully, one that was never used, and this core was then repurposed for research after the end of World War II. The core was a duplicate of the one used in the weapon dropped on Nagasaki. While the Demon Core's legacy isn't as dark as those used by the United States as nuclear weapons, it was involved in two accidents that killed one person each. Before we get there, we need to talk a little bit about how these cores worked. On their own, as you would imagine, a core of plutonium is pretty dangerous. <laughs> That's an understatement right there. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to carry it around in your backpack. But uh-huh. it's unable to reach critical mass on its own. So it's it's unable to sustain a nuclear chain reaction. It's that chain reaction that leads to massive amounts of radiation and explosive power when unleashed. If you haven't guessed by now, neither of us are nuclear scientists. I slept through that class in uh, in college, right through it. <laughs> I'm surprised you were even there, you know? <laughs> Didn't you go to journalism school? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> After Japan's surrender on August 15th, 1945, plans were halted to install this core into a weapon slated for use that very week. I just want to highlight that for a second. So this core was going to be used in what would have been the third weapon dropped on Japan. And like, thank God it wasn't. But... It's really pretty scary to think about. That's terrible, man. I can't, it is. I can't believe that. Like, I, I didn't know that there, you know, I didn't know that there was going to be more, right? I mean, obviously, when you think about it, like, of course there was, but it's terrible that there was. You know what I mean? Yeah. So at this time, in August 15th, 1945, this core was in storage at the Los Alamos Laboratory. The lab was also known as Project Y and was a key asset to the Manhattan Project, which was responsible for developing the first nuclear weapons. How cool of a code name is Project Y? Yeah. Like, it's really cool. Y is a good letter, actually. You'd think it's usually like X or Z or whatever, but Project Y is like, yeah, I like that. It's overlooked in code names, I think. Scientists at Los Alamos had classified the core as having only a small safety margin, perfect, when it came to reacting with the outside world. This meant that any research or handling the core required great care as it could easily become supercritical rather quickly. That didn't mean this core was like an egg or some other kind of fragile object. The factors required for the core to achieve critical mass aren't commonly found, right? As we mentioned, it takes a bit. For instance, the weapon the core was designed for worked by crushing the solid metallic core, right? So it's a piece of just 
chunk of metal. It had to crush it. And this would then be enough um, force to achieve the critical mass and set off the nuclear chain reaction. Yeah, you got you to gotta do something to, to start it or mm-hmm. excite it. Poking it isn't going to do it. You know what I mean? You've really <laughs> got to like... You've got to give it some. But as we mentioned before, not that this wasn't just purely dangerous sitting there on its own, but not like explosion dangerous. So you could crush it with a giant weapon or you could bring it into contact with some of those uncommon elements, which Los Alamos was just full of because that's what they did for a living. <laughs> so you could bring no. in other nuclear materials near near to it, or you could use materials to reflect and channel the radiation coming off of the core. The two fatal accidents that took place with the demon core happened during experiments designed to push the core toward achieving critical mass. Let's talk about those after the break. This episode of Ungenius is brought to you by Squarespace. They're the all-in-one platform that you need to use if you're building your brand or growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, products, services, content. Anything you're doing, Squarespace has you covered. Squarespace has excellent built-in analytics. So if you've ever wondered where your site visitors or sales are coming from, which channels are being the most effective... You can analyze all of that right within Squarespace. And once you have that data, you can improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords or most popular products or contents. And you can bring that excellent, excellent experience to email campaigns now. You can encourage your visitors to sign up as email subscribers and start them on the journey to becoming loyal customers. You start with an email template and customize it with your site colors and logo. Plus, you get built-in analytics to measure the impact of every email sent. I love getting to build on Squarespace. It's great to take an idea or a concept or something about an organization or a project and make it real and make it look really good in the process. Head on over to squarespace.com slash ungeniused for a free trial. There's no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code ungeniused to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain name. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash ungeniused and the code ungeniused to get you 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of ungeniused and Relay FM. So the first of the accidents that we're going to talk about took place on August 21st, 1945. Harry Daglium was a 24-year-old physicist working at Los Alamos, experimenting with materials to reflect neutrons, supercharging a nuclear reaction. For the experiment in question, the core was on a workbench, surrounded by a stack of neutron-reflective tungsten carbide bricks, As bricks were added, the core got closer and closer to reaching critical mass. As the young scientist went to add another brick, he accidentally dropped it onto the core itself, triggering a nuclear chain reaction. He moved the fallen brick off the pile, but had already received a fatal dose of radiation and died just 25 days later. A security guard who had been stationed 12 feet away away, died 33 years later of leukemia, likely due to his exposure. Just like, just this second, this one second is enough. It's wild, yeah. 
And it's not that he necessarily dropped it. It's that these bricks were made to excite the core. And basically, when you dropped it, you got too close to it. Yeah, it's like this was the point of it, right? Like, right. this was the point of what they were doing. It's not like they just had like a pile of bricks lying around and one of them just <laughs> happened to topple over. Like, it was the whole point of it. In the wake of the accident, a committee was assembled to evaluate safety regulations in place at the lab. Policy changes included the requirement that two people be working on an experiment together as a scientist had been working alone. Also, he was 24 years old. I can't get over that. I know this sounds strange, but like people used to be younger, right? Like back then, you know what I mean? Like it's like <laughs> yeah. a thing, like you, these kinds of jobs that people did, they did them younger, I feel like, than, than it would be now. The people who built Apollo were all in their 20s and 30s. Other changes were made to increase the amount of warning equipment required when working with a core and remote control test devices were discussed as well. Sadly, a year later, the core struck again. On May 21st, 1946, another 25-year-old physicist named Louis Slotin and seven other Los Alamos personnel were working on a similar experiment that had taken their colleague's life the year before. It was Slotin's last experiment and was to serve as a demonstration to others before his departure from the lab. Instead of using bricks to enclose the core as it neared critical mass, this experiment called for two half-spheres of beryllium to be brought near the core as measurements were taken. So if you think about the core, you'd have this like half-sphere coming in from the top and bottom to enclose it. Normally, the use of shims was required to keep the two uh, half-spheres from completely enclosing the core, but Sloten had completed this task before using nothing but a handheld flat screwdriver to control the distance between the outer casing and the core itself. He had been warned before over this method, but didn't seem to take the advice of others. On the day in question, the screwdriver slipped, allowing the top half sphere to fall onto the core. Instantly, there was a blue flash of light and a wave of heat felt from the core. Slotin quickly removed the top half of the sphere, ending the incident, but he had taken a lethal amount of radiation in the mere half-second reaction. He died just nine days later of acute radiation poisoning. His body had shielded the others from receiving fatal doses, but at least one other man was treated for exposure but made a recovery. It's one of those things where he made a mistake after being told he shouldn't do it. At least he didn't kill other people. Sure. It's a terrible thing to have happened, but it's even worse if what seemed like quite a foolish thing to do, like using a screwdriver just like seems like such a weird thing. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, and so at least he was able to not fatally injure others with this. Mm -hmm. So it was after the second accident that the core was nicknamed the Demon Core, and lab officials stated that no more in-person experiments could be done using it. I think once it gets that name... Right, you kind of got to leave it alone, right? Like, I think so. Yeah, if people yep. choose it to call it that, you shouldn't want to touch it. Uh, remote control machines were used for further work, with video feeds being piped to staff, safe at a distance of a quarter of a mile from the core. Before the second accident, the core was slated to be used in the Operation Crossroads nuclear test, but it was still too radioactive after the incident to be transported to the test site safely. Eventually, the core was melted down and its material recycled for use in other nuclear cores. Our thanks to Aaron for sending this topic in. This is like a whole field of stuff I feel like we could talk about on this show. There's so much uh, in this time period in history. Let us know if you want to hear more about it or if you have your own 
topic on Wikipedia that you love, uh, send it in to us. You can do so on Twitter. The show is at Ungeniused. You can find Mike there as I-M-Y-K-E, and you can follow me on Twitter as I-S-M-H. But if you want to read more about the Demon Core, there are links in the show notes and on the website at relay.fm slash ungeniused slash 153. Mike, until the next time we use a screwdriver in ways other than intended, say goodbye. Cheers. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye, (laughs) Bye, y'all.